0: This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers.
1: G'day and welcome to episode 28 of AFF On Air. It's Saturday the 25th of January 2020 and I'm your host Matt Graham. Happy Australia Day long weekend first up. In today's episode, how to earn hundreds of thousands of frequent flyer points each year for a relatively low cost thanks to credit card churning. And I chat to the AFF member Spruce Goose about what it's like as a road warrior. Spruce Goose happens to be the uh, vice president at a Fortune 500 company and he flies several times a week, most of that uh, being for work. So in this interview, we discuss everything from airline lounges to noise-canceling headphones and pretty much everything else in between. That's coming up later in the episode, but first, here's what's making news in the world of airlines and frequent flyer points this fortnight. Firstly, Virgin Australia has introduced basic economy fares, which it's calling Economy Light, on its long-haul flights. The light fares are $30 cheaper each way than getaway fares on flights to Hong Kong and Tokyo, and $50 cheaper on flights to Los Angeles. But the new light fares cannot be changed, cancelled or upgraded, are ineligible for advanced seat selection, include less checked luggage allowance, and earn fewer velocity points and status credits. Delta Airlines, Virgin's joint venture partner across the Pacific, has also rolled out its own version of basic economy fares on its flights from Sydney to Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Velocity's Elevate fares, kind of the middle uh, economy category, on long-haul flights are getting a slight boost with slightly more status credits and velocity points being earned. Commonwealth Bank has launched a new credit card that could be attractive to frequent travellers. The ComBank Ultimate Awards card offers frequent flyer points, no overseas transaction fees, and a waived monthly fee if you spend at least $2,500 per month. Otherwise, it's $35 a month, the card. With this card, you can earn the equivalent of 1.5 velocity points per dollar spent overseas, but this does reduce to only half a velocity point when uh, spending on everyday spend in Australia. And uh, points can only be earned at the full rate up to the first $10,000 per month. Combank Awards credit cards have historically been very poor value, particularly when it comes to earning frequent flyer points compared to other cards in the Australian market. But this card could make some sense for frequent travellers that are spending between $2,500 and $10,000 a month, uh, with many of those purchases being overseas. Meanwhile Bankwest, which is owned by the Commonwealth Bank, is reducing the number of Qantas frequent flyer points that can be earned with its Qantas transaction account, From the 1st of April this year, the earn rate per transaction with the uh, BenQuest transaction account will drop from 5 to 3 Qantas points. And in addition, the interest rate will be reduced from 0.4 of a Qantas points per $100 in the account per day to 0.3 Qantas points. This is one of the very few bank accounts uh, that comes with a debit card in Australia where you can earn Qantas points um, as interest on the balance and also earn Qantas points for every transaction. Secure Parking will no longer offer Qantas Frequent Flyer points from the 1st of February, so that's just next week. Currently, you can earn one Qantas point per dollar spent with Secure Parking by linking your Qantas Frequent Flyer number to your Secure Parking loyalty program account. You can still earn velocity points for booking parking, and that's through lookingforparking.com. Royal Air Morocco, which is based in Casablanca, Morocco, will enter the OneWorld alliance on the 1st of April 2020. It has now almost completed the 15-month integration process to uh, enter OneWorld, which has included updating the airline systems and introducing a new platinum tier for the Royal Air Morocco Safar Flyer frequent flyer program in line with the OneWorld standards. As Royal Air Morocco prepares to enter one world, American Airlines has announced that it will launch direct Boeing 757 flights from Philadelphia to Casablanca from the 4th of June 2020, and obviously that'll feed a lot of connecting traffic into Royal Air Maroc. Royal Air Morocco has a fleet of around 60 aircraft. It uses mainly Boeing 737s and Embraer E190s to operate a range of short-haul routes around Morocco as well as to destinations in Europe, the Middle East and West Africa. The airline also has a fleet of Boeing 767s and new Boeing 787s, which it uses for long-haul flights to the United States, Canada, Brazil, and now China. Although Royal Air Maroc, of course, does not fly to Australia. From the 1st of April 2020, Qantas frequent flyer members will be able to earn Qantas points and status credits, and access frequent flyer benefits like lounge access if you have at least gold or platinum uh, Qantas status, uh, as well as priority boarding and other benefits when flying with Royal Air Maroc. Qantas is returning to Ballina and Byron Bay 15 years after it handed all of its routes over to Jetstar. QantasLink will operate daily flights from Sydney to Ballina uh, from the 29th of March 2020, and the Dash 8 Q300 flights are timed with business travellers in mind, leaving Ballina in the morning and returning from Sydney in the evening. QantasLink is also launching new flights from Sydney to Mildura and Brisbane to Tamworth from the 29th of March, 2020. And in addition, service on the Sydney to Bendigo route will increase from daily to 10 times a week from the same date. At the same time, uh, Virgin Australia will more than halve its uh, Sydney to Tamworth services, going from twice daily to just six times a week from the 29th of March. The new regional QantasLink routes are made possible by the return of 5-8 Q300 aircraft from Jetstar in New Zealand, after Jetstar abandoned its regional New Zealand routes at the end of last year. In a slightly more random route announcement, Indonesian low-cost carrier CityLink uh, has just launched direct flights from Melbourne's Avalon Airport to Denpasar, Bali using Airbus A320 NEOs. The first flight departed Bali for Melbourne just last night. The new route was only announced two weeks ago, and tickets have only been on sale for a very short time, so if you're thinking about a last-minute trip to Bali, I imagine those CityLink flights out of Melbourne are going to be quite empty for the next few weeks as they start to build up some brand awareness. CityLink will be the second airline after AirAsia X to offer uh, international flights out of Avalon Airport. Although CityLink is a low-cost airline, its fares to Bali include checked luggage and a meal. But the aircraft do not have in-flight entertainment and there is no business class. CityLink has already been flying from Perth to Denpasar since November last year. An Australian federal court judge has ruled that the hotel booking website Trivago misled customers into believing they were getting the best price on hotel rooms. In 2018 the ACCC here in Australia alleged that Trivago, which is owned by Expedia, created a false impression that customers would be shown the lowest price when searching on their platform. But Federal Court Justice Mark Mashinsky agreed with the ACCC saying that Trivago did not provide an impartial, objective and transparent price comparison service, despite running um, around 400,000 television advertisements where it promised to help customers find their ideal hotel at the best price. Carl Schuster, the CEO of Velocity Frequent Flyer, has resigned, effective at the end of this month. Mr. Schuster has been in the role since 2015. The former Velocity CEO, Neil Thompson, will take the reins while a new permanent CEO is found. And three American pilots were tragically killed near the southern New South Wales town of Cooma last Thursday after their C-130 aircraft crashed while conducting a routine firefighting operation in the area. On the same day, Canberra Airport was closed for quite a number of hours due to a nearby bushfire there. That's what's making news this fortnight. For more regular news, updates and deals, subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flying Gazette or follow us on Facebook. As many frequent flyer point collectors would know, one of the easiest ways to earn lots of points for a relatively small outlay is by using credit card sign up bonuses, especially in Australia. The idea of credit card churning is to sign up for credit cards when there's a good sign up deal available, and then you need to pay usually the annual fee unless it's being waived on that particular offer, and spend a certain amount of money on the card within the first few months to be eligible to receive the bonus points. Once you've received the points, you can then cancel the card before your next annual fee is due and then wait out the minimum amount of time that you need to have not been a customer with that bank in order to get another sign-up bonus. And by cleverly taking advantage of these kinds of credit card offers, you can quite easily earn, earn even hundreds of thousands of frequent flyer points at a very little cost each year. And it's possible to earn as many as even 150,000 frequent flyer points just from a single credit card sign-up offer, which is more than enough points to fly around the world in economy class using the Qantas frequent flyer program. And by churning through multiple credit cards, you can easily earn enough points to travel the world in comfort of uh, business or first class even every year. Sign up uh, bonus frequent flyer point offers are by no means in short supply in Australia. Right now, there are around 60 different offers available on personal credit cards alone in Australia. 10 of those offers will get you 100,000 or more Qantas or Velocity frequent flyer points, and 24 of those offers will score you at least 50,000 bonus frequent flyer points. That said, the credit card game is not for everyone and there are definitely some risks. The main one being that it could have an impact on your credit rating whenever you apply for credit being a credit card or a loan or something else this is noted on your credit file and can affect your credit rating so and if you apply for too much credit in a short amount of time or if you don't pay back any of the debt that you owe uh, within the time frame that's allowed this can have the risk of damaging your credit rating and could cause problems if you ever want to say take out a mortgage and of course, if you do get into credit card debt, that can be expensive with the interest repayments that you need to make. Nonetheless, if you understand the risk, you are prepared to pay off for credit cards in full every month and you play your cards right, pardon the pun, the rewards uh, can be well worth the time and effort involved. If you'd like to learn more about credit card churning, I will be hosting a webinar over at Frequent Flyer Solutions next Wednesday, the 29th of January, and that's at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. During the hour-long webinar, I'll explain exactly how to maximize your points from credit card churning, and if you attend live, you'll also be able to ask me questions, and you'll receive a detailed list of all of the current credit card sign-up bonus offers that are available in Australia, including the um, terms and conditions of each offer. If you're interested, you'll find a link to more information about this webinar in the episode notes, or you can just jump onto the Frequent Flyer Solutions website, which is frequentflyer.com.au. And by the way, if you're new to the frequent flyer points game and not quite sure where to start, I would encourage you to check out the training program that's available at frequent flyer solutions. There are 10 comprehensive training courses, which I wrote that will teach you everything from the basics of earning and redeeming points through how to get cheap premium cabin airfares and upgrades and all the way through to airline and hotel status and lots more. If you'd like some more personalized assistance, you can, of course, ask me a question to cover on this podcast um, by posting in the AFF1A discussion thread, and that's linked in the episode notes for every episode of this podcast. But if you want some more in-depth advice, Frequent Flyer Solutions also offers a personalized consultation service uh, for premium economy business class and first-class members, and this service is complimentary for first-class members of the site. With the personal consultation service, you'll have the opportunity to ask me anything you like, really, about frequent flyer points or travel in general over a one-hour Skype call, and we'll work together to devise a a plan that works for you. Visit frequentflyer.com.au for more information about any of the services that are offered by Frequent Flyer Solutions. All right, well, joining me on this episode, I have the AFF member Spruce Goose, who is the vice president of a Fortune 500 company and a very, very frequent flyer. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Spruce Goose. Great to have you here.
0: Thanks, Matt. Always good to contribute and be a part of the forum.
1: Yeah, and you've been around since two thousand and three, I think uh, we were just saying. So you've uh, certainly been contributing for a while, which is which is fantastic. You now, firstly, I want to ask you. Um, you now you're travelling really a lot. What um, what kind of job do you have that um, requires all this kind of travel? And uh, what's like your typical travel pattern?
0: Look, a lot of my travel started when I started working overseas, and then I was based overseas, and then I came home, and then. That started up again so in in basically the construction engineering business uh, we have a lot of um, sites offshore and um, the also having lived in in hong kong and, and jakarta and, and africa um ever since i was in my mid-20s i've been um, doing a hell of a lot of flying and every program that i've been on i've sort of rocketed to the top of that program so that that Gave me a lot of exposure to airports, travel, and you know, just trying to uh, just trying to get by in the in the best way possible.
1: What kind of percentage of your travel would you say is for work and and for leisure?
0: Uh, good question. Um, I actually don't track it per se, unlike some who are very fastidious in that sort of detail area. But I would say it's at around seventy percent for work and thirty percent leisure. So that's still a fair bit of leisure, and uh, so I I do self fund a lot of my my travel as well. So I, I get a big kick with work, but I also um, it's a it's a hobby of mine. So it gets it gets the appropriate funding.
1: Yeah, that's quite convenient that you enjoy it and it's a hobby as well. If uh, since you are doing really a lot of flying now, so where are you based and like what are the routes that you're mostly flying?
0: Well, I do a lot of the Eastern seaboard in Australia, you know, Sydney, Melbourne and, and, and Brisbane. Um, I had a few roles in Perth, and so I remember I used to fly Perth, Sydney uh, every week for four months, five months, and that was very weary because there's, there's quite some uh, subtle jet lag involved in those flights. Oh, Singapore, twice a month, over to Monado, um, a Silk Air flight out of Singapore over to Monado, uh, well I was based in Hong Kong that was down to Jakarta uh, twice a month for for two years um, and then uh, about thirty six flights to to Africa from Sydney Sydney to Johannesburg up to Lusaka. so um, a variety of flights um, not much business in North America that's always been uh, a leisure destination, and Europe's been a leisure destination but but certainly Asia and Africa have been work destinations.
1: So mixing it up,
0: but, but generally the the, um, the backbone of the travel would be um, East Coast domestic for okay. work.
1: Right, and is this mostly in economy or business class?
0: Generally economy on short haul. Uh, a little bit longer haul would be business class. So it's a, it's, it's a mix. But, um, you know, just trying to justify paying business on a, on a short haul, it doesn't really matter what your entitlements are. If it doesn't fit right, I don't feel right. I don't do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and which mm, yeah. uh, which airlines are you mostly flying?
0: I've I've nailed my colours to to the master of One World. So I, I do try I do try to, to stick to One World. I'm i basically in in the Qantas Qantas plan, um, currently a P one. So and and generally they've looked after me well over the years. So I've I've Patronised those Cathay Pacific. I've, I've been a great fan of Cathay Pacific. Um, early days in Hong Kong when ANSET was still around, I, I used to take the, um, the the Sydney Sydney flight up to um, Hong Kong. I think it was flight number AAA, and I, I became a diamond with Ansett. And when when they collapsed, and I, I used to do a lot of flying on, on Singapore Airlines, and, and used to credit all my points to Ansett before they. Collapse and stole all my points. So it's um it's it's been it's been it's been a variety, but I, I've basically settled with with one world and and um, don't really have. I've got Asiana at the moment, um, and I'm silver with Asiana, so I would like to sort of build that up just to have that as an option. But that's that's not that important to me right at the moment. X platinum with Virgin, and I've let that let that go. Um, but there's a possibility I might show them a bit more loyalty in the future, depending on um, depending on how Qantas treat me, I guess.
1: Okay, so you're platinum one with Qantas, but um, no longer platinum with Virgin. Is there any particular reason? Like, do you find that flying Qantas is a better experience than flying Virgin, or is it more to do with the frequent flyer program, or what, what's the reasoning there?
0: No, I, I I think I think what makes business travel a lot easier is is familiarity. So when you, when, when you do the same thing all the time, it, 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 it's less taxing on you. So I, I find that probably the, the, the best way to, to travel is, is, is to do a lot of repeatable. So the same, same, same lounge, same seat, same, you know, same flight pattern, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and that's how I've always sort of, um, minimize the disturbance on my uh, on my sleep as well, having some familiarity in 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 my travel patterns, pretty boring, you might say, but necessary um, for 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 leisure travel, totally different. like to do something different every time, but business, I like to do the same thing
1: okay yeah f- fair enough um, sure. so on on that note, like when you when you do have time off work. Um, you mentioned that you do actually enjoy travelling. I was I was wondering if if you're flying all the time for work, if it might not be more enjoyable just to stay at home when you do have that that uh, time off.
0: Well, there, there, there is that as well, of course. But I do look. I like to get away. I'll go up to Singapore or Hong Kong for the weekend. And you can do that. You can get out on a on a Friday. Um, I've got friends. I've lived in those cities, so you've got friends up there. So it's 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 good to go and visit them for for a couple of nights. Um, pick up a flight home on a Sunday night and arrive and go to work Monday morning. So that's that's very possible. i often buy an economy fare and upgrade so you get that sleep. That's, that's very important, especially on the flight home. So, yeah, um, very. I always carry my passport with me. You just never know what's going to happen.
1: Um, yeah. And do you have a favourite airline lounge? Yeah, I do. Um,
0: it's actually the first-class one. Quonness Sydney Airport. I think it's got it's got a great view of the airport and 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 the operations. It's got some great food and it's got some very very interesting, interesting, interestingly good wines. So um, I I enjoy a glass of wine, um, and I like to travel and I'll I'll spend a couple of hours there. Uh, Might do some might do some work or business. Make a few phone calls, have something to eat and get on a plane. Um, it's 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 a great way to start a journey. That lounge, I, I've I've always enjoyed it. Um, just trying to think, uh, the, the the London Qantas lounge, I was very impressed with. Um, the L.A. First Lounge, Cafe do some great lounges, although their wine could improve somewhat. Um, yeah, look, there's some great great lounges around. Um, Singapore, the the first class lounge in Singapore, very solid as well. It's um. It's 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 just a nice place to cocoon yourself.
1: Yeah, and are you a, are you a gin drinker? Because yeah. the uh, the London Qantas Lounge has a very nice gin bar. Have you tried that out?
0: Yes, I have. Yes, yes, and uh, I, I I do like a Hendrix. But, but the gin the gin experiment's just exploding, and everyone's doing gin now. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they do it in, in in their bathtubs these days because it's everyone's drinking gin. It's it's the new drink. So I think Qantas hit the hit hit the nail on the head with that one.
1: Yeah, absolutely, jumping
0: the market a bit.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I've I visited the London Qantas Lounge only once, and uh, the the gin the gin bar I thought was great. The the selection of gins available were very good, but the service was so rude. It's just something that really stood out. It was it was incredibly bad service. So it kind of spoiled the experience there a little bit. But
0: probably just the English, that you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a national trait, you know. That's-
1: Ooh, I, I won't go there. Don't go
0: there. Sure. Uh, and,
1: and on that on that note, with airport lounges, like um, with some of these very very good lounges, I'm sure like you could spend quite a lot of time there and never get sick of them. But when you're just doing like the regular Sydney to Melbourne commute, like do you get sick of airport lounges?
0: No, they in 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 business travel they become functional. So. So I, look, I used to time my my flight to probably the five minute interval. So I'd arrive at the airport five minutes before boarding and go straight through. But if I hadn't eaten, I I would probably go a little bit earlier, pick up a uh, pick up a roll, stick some stuff in it, and grab that and get on get on the plane. So I I, I generally don't like to waste too much time in lounges when I'm when I'm travelling, unless I need to be there to eat. Or, whatever, have a shower if I'm connecting from an overnight flight or something like that. But, but for business, lounging is very uh, functional. Whereas, whereas for, for leisure, it's, it's just that.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah. So uh, as, as you mentioned before, you're Platinum One with Qantas. Do you think that there's anything Qantas could do to improve the Platinum One program or make, make life just a little bit easier for its, its loyal customers?
0: I, it's interesting, the, um, the, the membership of P1, I think, is around 4,000. And I think, I think a lot of people got that on the back of a, a lot of um, double status credit um, runs last year. Um, so I think you'll find those numbers do go down. And, and with the econ- there is an economic decline of such at the moment, and, and I think you'll find that um, there are people... Uh, who who aren't flying as much either so i i, I think I think that'll go down. so, so Qantas will want to guard that that segment of the market the, the, those very loyal customers because it's the p ones that do a lot of travelling um, and and they they do spend considerable amount of money so so i i, I think I think there's a few things that Qantas could do. Um, some of those the, the Sydney business lounge is getting a bit bit tatty. That, that 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 needs a, a refresh. Um, the Melbourne one's quite nice. It's, I think they've done that quite well. And Brisbane's good, Perth's good, but but Sydney needs needs a a, a, a big refresh. And I think even the the Sydney um, business lounge at, at international airport, I think that's that 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 needs a big refresh too. But certainly, of in flight, um, I think the food the food needs another. Rethink. Uh, I think Neil Perry's done a great job, but I think they could hand the baton over to somebody else now and just do what basically British Airways are doing. I mean, British Airways are going with do and Co and they're they're known as the, the best airline um, caterers in the world, best quality airline caterers in the world. So Qantas probably need to to have a look at that. I've never been impressed with their headphones, and I think they could they could really improve those. They They've got the money, and they, uh, it'd be a good opportunity for them to refresh that that in-flight service.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, you're a bit sick of getting Neil's garden trimmings with vinaigrette with every meal on Qantas business class, aren't you? I think. I've been getting for 15 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know how long he's been with the airline, but it's a hell of a long time because I, I can't remember what it was like before that. So, um, I, I just think. Um, It just needs a refresh and it'd probably be good for him too
1: (laughs) so yeah on the the topic of uh, those those headphones so you said that the Qantas headphones are are not that great do you do you find that uh, there's any any one particular airline that um, provides very very good quality noise cancelling headphones for their premium customers or uh, do you find that they're all pretty rubbish and you just bring your own headphones on board
0: No, I think I think American Airlines they, 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 they offer both in, in in a first class transatlantic flight. I you'll find that um, I think Singapore use bows these days. Bows are a good standard headphone. Um, you know, you'll you'll get you'll get everything you need with with a good set of bows. Um, I use Steinhauser as well and, and I've got about four or five sets of bows that I've collected over the years because I you know, I forget them and uh, I can't fly without them so I have to buy one set every time. So it's an expensive um Expensive problem. But it's um, no, I, I think those airlines, but certainly it's time for Qantas to match them.
1: Yeah, I must say, I, I flew Air China in business class a couple of weeks ago and I found that their business class headphones were actually really good, um, uh, even like much better than Qantas. Uh, which is uh, a little bit surprising for me but uh, I do I do always bring my own QC35s cuz uh, if if you don't have them you really miss them when you're doing those long haul flying especially when there's noisy Certainly passengers do. crying babies people watching movies without headphones that kind of thing can really really irritate you
0: absolutely and 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 unless you've lived in a mining camp with with that noisy aircon con or not, you know you don't get used to that background sound of uh, of the engine so um, you, you, you do need that, to
1: yeah. blank, black that
0: out to to Abs- get some sleep.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before that you did quite a lot of flying uh, previously between Sydney and Johannesburg on the QF sixty three and QF sixty four. I presume. Did you uh, did you right. get to see many icebergs when you were taking that flight?
0: Good point. Um, I think we flew one day sixty six degrees south, and yes, you could see Antarctica. Oh, and it was it, it it was a a very lonely place, you know that Southern Ocean. It's very desolate, and um, the 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 only comforting thing was we had four engines, so you know um, you had a you had a good chance of getting there. So yeah, that that, that was a very interesting flight. Uh, and again, you know, I talked about habits when you fly and when you travel. Um, you know sleeping on that flight, I think that used to arrive at about four p m in uh, in johannesburg so so two two hours out from that flight, there was a an air a convergence of two air currents, and it used to gently rock the aircraft and if I was sleeping, I'd know that and I'd wake up and I'd say, yeah, two hours to go that's you know' got <laughs> wow. get into it now you know so so yeah it's it's when when you do things a lot you you do pick up these 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 nuances with travel so yeah, I don't, it helps
1: you too. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know um, if these, like, obviously Qantas is going to be retiring the seven four sevens. They say later this year. Um, so currently, it's a seven four seven route. Um, it could either become an A three eighty or a seven eight seven route. Obviously, with a the seven eight seven, there's only two engines, so that could cause some ETOPS issues. Um, ETOPS being extended twin operations over the, over long periods of order. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that becomes an A three eighty. But um, just as a matter of interest, I flew into Johannesburg with, on that QF63 um, late last year, and when we arrived at the gate in Johannesburg, the power failed. <laughs> so it just, just goes to show how old those aircraft are that they're using. At least it was at the end of the flight, mind you, not over the, not over the ocean. The, 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 the power failed in the, in,
0: the, in the aircraft, did
1: it? Yeah, so they turned the engines off and the APU didn't kick in, so there was no power right, whatsoever yeah. on board. And I think, I think the return flight back to Sydney was very delayed as a result of that.
0: Well, what's interesting about Joburg is that it's about 6,000 feet
1: Oh, yeah, elevation. of course. It is, yeah.
0: And, and, and if they've got a full flight going back, they can't take off if it's over 24 or 25 degrees, something like is that. Is
1: that right? Wow. And
0: I've been, I've been there on quite a warm day and we're waiting for the temperature to go down. And I think it, I think the cutoff was about twenty four degrees. We had to get to, so we we were we were late by an hour or so getting out. But um, it's um, it, it's obviously a quicker flight back. But, but going over, it's um, it's it's quite a long flight. And it's, uh, it,
1: it is, yeah. It's is a
0: rewarding it- flight, especially if you get to see those 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 sites. But there's not a lot to see. But if you get to see Antarctica, it's um, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's really special if you do get to see it. It is interesting, the return flight is two hours faster. I believe it flies a bit it further is, to the north yeah. and has a nice tailwind in that case. Yes, it does.
0: But those, those those 747s, I mean, we did a trip to Hawaii last year and we went on one of those. And um, Yeah, look, I think they're starting to really come apart. They're just trying to hold them together and um, they obviously don't want to spend too much money. But... Uh, they, they, there are a lot of equipment issues, I've been told by the crew.
1: And so when, when you were flying over to, to Africa, did you have any any sort of interesting experiences doing some of those internal flights?
0: Oh, look, um, Africa is a real, um, a real lottery. Um, I mean, the biggest, one of the biggest issues in Africa is the contaminated fuel. And you see a lot of twin-engine planes go down as a result. But look, I was—I actually forgotten about condensation, and um, we we took off, and there was a, a lot of steam coming out of the vents, and I actually thought it was a fire, and right. I, I alerted the crew, and uh, and they reacted too, and, and so that made me a hell of a lot more nervous, and everyone started jumping up and down, thinking the plane was on fire, when it, when in fact it wasn't. It was just that 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 very you know steamy morning. Like you get in the tropics, and I should have known that because I used to live there. So, um, yeah, that that was that, that was. You know, when you think you're going to die or crash, you know, your your reactions become a lot more real, <laughs> um, and it's it's not fake. You know, it's 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 interesting. It's um, it's interesting. I, I don't wish it upon many people.
1: No. No. Yeah. Just to change the subject slightly, you mentioned also before that um, you used to do quite a lot of flying between the eastern states of Australia and Perth. Uh, when, when you were doing that, did you often take the red eye back from Perth? And I guess, how, how did you find it like with the jet lag?
0: Well, the only time I've done the red eye was I sometimes had to, I was living in Perth catching the Sydney flight to go to Joburg. So I'd, I'd do a business class, um, obviously, it was first class in those days, but um, I'd, I'd take that, but I've done it myself personally in, in economy and I've done it once, so I'll never do it again. Nah. I mean, you, 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 you just don't get any sleep. I mean, the other very sneaky flight is um, Jakarta, Jakarta to Sydney. So That's I think very
1: it's short.
0: 9.30, very short, very short. Yeah. So it's about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night from memory. If, if I think it, what Q, I think in QF the in the summer it leaves at 8, eight p.m.
1: even QF forty two I think it is.
0: Yeah, forty two. Yeah, it's even coming in, isn't it? So yeah, forty two. Um, but in in the day when 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 we were living there, it was um, it used to leave at nine thirty, ten o'clock, which is in three hours behind in summer. That's one o'clock in the morning. So you get on board, you have a few drinks, maybe watch half a movie, get some sleep. You only really only get a couple of hours sleep and then you, you, you're awake. So it's effectively like the red eye coming from Perth. So it's, um, it's a very sneaky flight. And, and the short ones can be very insidious for, for jet lag. Yeah,
1: definitely. You're a lot more
0: conscious of it on a long haul than you are on a short haul, but it happens as much on a short
1: haul. I did the red eye once over from Perth to Sydney in business class thinking, "Oh yeah, I'll save on a hotel night and I'll get to sleep on the plane." It, it was a life flat bed, that was all fine, but uh, by the time I had something to eat and went to sleep, I mean, they were waking me up in preparation for landing and I'd only slept for an hour and a half. So, I, I felt terrible for the next several days after that, and I haven't done it again since. That was not a good no, experience no. at all. No. And no, it's not and on on that note, do you have any sort of tips or tricks to help with the jet lag, or um, also just in general with all of the the constant travel you're doing? Do you have any sort of routines that you use to make life a bit easier for yourself?
0: It depends on your your own makeup. Um, some people just don't really suffer jet lag, and 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 they can get through it. But you know, it's 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 just, the old advice is still the good advice. You know, um, get the sun. Um, try to um, Acclimatise to your new time zone before you leave, um, and it depends on how important it is what you do when you get there. If, if 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 I'm going to a meeting and and I've got to be, I've got to you know have some spring in the step as we get off the plane, then then I plan that more importantly. But if it's if it's a holiday, vacation or whatever, it, it it's not as important, and and I usually just break the rules and sleep whenever I can, but. Um, you know, it depends on what you're doing when you get there. I, I think so it, on business, and it gets back down to discipline. Um, I remember I flew back from London once in, in economy, and I thought that was that was pretty terrible. But I didn't drink, and I just stayed very hydrated, and that that helped considerably. So so it depends on what you need to do when you get home, basically.
1: Uh, now, out of all of the flights you've done, has there been any any sort of flights or experiences that have stood out as being quite memorable for you?
0: In aviation accounting, takeoff should always equal landing, so I've never been in a crash. So that's 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 great. I've never I've never been in a in, in a plane that's lost an engine. So that's that's great. Uh, we've turned around a couple of times. Um, we've um, taking off in um, in uh, Jakarta one day on a on a cafe. And we stopped halfway down the runway, and it was a problem with the fuel filter. Um, a few go-arounds in Sydney, but they all happened in basically one year, and nothing for 20 years, and then all of a sudden, it's three in a year. So, yeah, you know, look, you, you, you just can't predict it, Matt. But I, I guess an, another very interesting thing happened. once finally, There was a guy sitting in a seat that I that I booked, and I booked it for a specific reason and uh he said uh don't worry about it. just why don't you sit behind me it's only a suit and I said no no just give me my suit and you, you you go there you know, it was very interesting because uh, a few minutes later the police came on board and took him off and I was talking to the um to the purser, and, and they said that they they did not like what he was saying on the phone when he was boarding the plane he had uh, he was saying things that weren't true and they just that that raised their suspicions and uh, I basically had him kicked off the plane, so I mean that's never happened to me before, and it's quite rare that you you get people taken off a plane. So, yeah, that's uh, that's one for the books.
1: Yeah, it's good good that the crew picked that up. Yeah, And yeah, and uh, I believe so. I believe you also once uh, had a flight captain by uh, you know our favourite pilot on AFF JB seven four seven.
0: Yes, yes, I was very lucky to catch one of his. Um, must have been one of his last flights, actually. I was coming out of Los Angeles into Sydney, and um, I, I asked the crew just before the flight ended who, who the captain was, and as it was John Bartell. so I, uh, I met John. I was just one of the last to leave for the first cabin, and he was coming out to see the last of the passengers off, and I went over, introduced myself, and so I think I think I think John knew my handle, so. Um, he uh, he's he's been on the forum for 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 a long time and and been very extremely helpful in trying to understand the, the operational side of of flying
1: absolutely yeah the the ask the pilot yeah. thread which uh j b seven four seven um answers questions on is absolutely wonderful and um for those who might not be yes. aware j b did retire last year and um, he joined me in episode thirteen of this podcast to talk a bit about that so um do go and uh yeah go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Well, Spruce Goose, thank you so much for joining me on AFF On Air. It's been a pleasure to catch up and hear about some of your um, experiences with flying.
0: Thanks, Matt, and um, thanks to all the wonderful people that we meet every year. It's um, it's a real delight to to catch up and exchange stories, and the camaraderie is great.
1: Absolutely.
0: I I really enjoy the personal side of this.
1: Thanks so much. I hope that you found that interview interesting. I know that some of our listeners have been asking for more interviews with frequent and corporate travellers. Before I go, uh, just some quick feedback from the last episode on epic train journeys. Uh, and Firstly, Townsend says, as usual, a very interesting podcast. I always thought that the Indian Pacific trip seemed expensive, but this made it sound like good value. Uh, well, firstly, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I, I agree, actually, like I always kind of looked at the price tag and thought, oh, it's a bit more than two thousand dollars that's a very expensive train trip um but for what it is you're getting four days in, in well luxury really with everything included all meals drinks um the off train excursions and it's it's certainly a unique experience that you wouldn't be able to have any other way so i'm uh, pretty tempted to give it a try i must say daft 009s um uh, has says how's this for a luxury train trip there's the train suite shikishima um, operated by jr east in japan and uh, i had checked it out now my goodness if that's not a luxury train then i don't know what is i mean this train has it's 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 almost brand new it has 10 carriages and only 17 suites on board which um, means that there's a maximum of 34 passengers among the 10 carriages of the train Uh, There's Michelin star dining, a lounge car, and two observation cars at both ends of the train. Now, that would have to be an incredible trip. Um, Although it seems that you need to book months in advance for this, and the tickets don't come cheap. (laughs) And finally, uh, uh, some feedback from Tim Johns, who says, I listened to the latest episode about grain train journeys on Monday. On my flight from Vladivostok to Tokyo at the end of a three-week Trans-Siberian railway trip across Russia, couldn't believe the topic of this episode of an aviation podcast when it downloaded onto my phone. It was as if I was being pranked. Amazing trip for anyone thinking of doing it. Um, yeah, and thanks, thanks uh, Tim for the feedback. And I'm I'm so glad you enjoyed the Trans-Siberian railway. It must have been quite an experience, especially in uh, well, what is now the height of winter um, up in in Russia. So. Um, Yeah, as I think I said in the last episode, that trip is very high up on my bucket list. And um, yeah, good to know you thought it was was something worth doing. Well, that's it for another episode of AFF On Air. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. For more information about anything in today's episode, as always, you can check out the episode notes where you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread. If you're enjoying this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe us um, to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. I would really appreciate that because it would help us enormously if you do that. I'm Matt Graham and I'll be back next fortnight as always with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Until then, happy flying.